You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Good morning and welcome. How's everybody doing today? Great to see you. Uh, Man, I am so thrilled to be able to conclude this series. It's been just uh, so helpful. Uh, I don't know if you guys realize this, but a lot of the sermon series are more self-serving. You say, why? Because they're things that I need help with. They're things that I want to grow in. And so when we do a parenting series, I'm thinking, you know, I have three precious children that God has given to me, and uh, I want to do everything in my power to be the best parent, and I need all the help that I can get. I need all the books. I need all the conferences. I need all the sermons. I need anything I can to help me be a better dad, to help me be a better father, to help me be a better husband, because all of that benefits my children, but not just my children, but the next generation as well in my family. And so this series has been just uh, wonderful to just kind of go through and explore and dive into these truths together. So if you have a Bible, would you go back to the book of Hebrews chapter number 11? Hebrews chapter number 11. And we kind of were here last week. And I want to come back to this character by the name of Moses as we conclude this series. Over the last five weeks, we've learned a lot about being a better parent, grandparent, or spiritual parent. And for the last time, let's go through it one more time. Our goal is to raise home-run kids. Now, when it comes to raising home-run kids, we want to have a framework. We want to have a paradigm to work with. And so what we have used is the baseball diamond. And whether you are a fan of baseball or not, this is pretty easy to grasp, even for somebody like me. And you have all the bases, and we're saying each base represents something. So home plate, we said, is first and foremost, our goal is to connect our children with God, connect them with their creator. Your children, my children, aren't some randomly evolved primordial ooze. Uh, They weren't just a bunch of particles that came together randomly. No, they are created by God on purpose. They're not an accident. They're not a mistake. They are made in a uh, wonderful way. And we said our goal is to connect our children with God. That's home play. That's where we start. It's connecting them with God. And then we said first base is all about character. We want to raise kids with character. Kids with character. We don't want to just have kids that, oh man, they look great on the outside, but guess what? They, when it comes to working with their boss, will never call and say, hey, I'm late or I'm not showing up. We don't want to raise kids that don't know how to pay their bills on time. We don't want to raise kids that just, uh, they, they, they tell, yeah, I'll be then. They never show up. We want to raise kids with character, honor, integrity, truthful, people that you can trust. All those things seem to be lacking today, don't they? Especially if you hire an employer, you're a manager or a business owner, you understand it's rare to find that. I was listening to somebody talk and they said, where my daughter works, uh, they are allowed three no-call, no-shows before they're fired. 
I was like, excuse me, you get three strikes, you're out, three no call, no shows? Is that what we've come to? If you didn't call in and say, hey, I'm not going to make it, that was it. Just don't come back in. But now it just seems that that's kind of par for the course. Why? Because we've neglected character. We've given our kids everything else but worked on their character. How is character formed? Simple. If you've got a 10, 11-year-old boy and you have grass, make them mow the grass. You say, well, the lines aren't straight. Make them mow it again and tell them how to get the straight lines. You've got a 10, 11-year-old daughter. Excellent. She can help with stuff too. All your kids can have a job in the house. My wife was gone, and she was like, I'm going to be gone for five hours on a Saturday. She left the kids a list. And, man, they just plowed through that list. You say, what did you do? I sat on the couch. I read a book. drank my coffee. And I told them, get to work. It was a great feeling. It was awesome. My kids are finally at that age. It's awesome. Why? We're developing character. You as a parent work hard. Your kids can pick up some of the workload as well. Not only character, we also said we want our kids to have good community. It is so important. Many of you, your life group kicked off or it's going to kick off. Get in a life group. Get around good friends, good support, good community that can pray for you, encourage you. We've said friends are like elevator buttons. They take you up or they take you down. One person said it like this. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Your friends are the biggest predictor of your future. You say, oh, man, but these are my friends. If your friends have no future and your parents are telling you they have no future, trust your parents. They have been around a little while. They know. So good community. And then we said we want to raise competent children. Competent. They have a skill. They learn something. They know what they're good at. They know what they're designed for. God designed them. And this is to raise home run kids. So that was the game plan that we discovered each week. And if you missed it, you can go on YouTube. You can go on Spotify. You can listen. You can watch each sermon. You can download the notes. They're on our app. But we've taken all of this And today I want to package it and I want to encourage you as we finish and we conclude today, I want to give you my sermon title. It's really simple. And uh, what what it is, is simply this. I want you to swing for the fences when it comes to parenting. I want you to just swing for the fences. I I don't know about you, but maybe you remember Barry Bonds breaking the home run record at 73 home runs. Any Barry Bonds fans in here? A few, not really, not a lot. I remember, though, 1998. You say, why? What was so important about 1998? Oh, 1998 was super important because you had two people, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, and they were both trying to break the home run record. And so they were going in. And that season, I just remember, it was all over the news because both of these guys were trying to get the most home runs in a season. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think their batting coach was telling them, hey, you guys want to break the home run record? Yeah, you know, just kind of swing in normal swing. Swing to hit a base hit. No, their batting coach was saying, hey, you got to swing for the fences. You've got to swing. It's a baseball term meaning you're swinging, not timid, but you're giving a full swing so that ball goes out of the park. What happens today is I think we have timid parents. We have parents that we, we, are, we don't understand that more is caught than is taught. Our children are watching what you and I do, and so they are mimicking that. And so we're looking at a character that I believe is so important And I believe that his parents modeled this for him. We saw it last week. We're going to come back to it. Would you turn your attention to either Hebrews 11 or to the screen as we read just a few verses together. Begin reading 
with me in just uh, verse 23. The Bible says this, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not, and if you have a highlighter or you take a note, they were not afraid. Say not afraid this morning. That's powerful. These parents were not afraid. What were they not afraid of? Were they not afraid of the dark? Were they not afraid of death and taxes? No. Here's what they were not afraid of. The king's edict. They weren't afraid of the king. Who is the king? Pharaoh, most powerful person in the world at that time. And they said, we're not afraid of him. That is powerful. That they said, we're not afraid. Parent, I see so many times my parenting is simply default, I'm afraid. It's just out of fear. I'm learning to stop saying to my kids, hey, be careful, watch out, don't do that. You say, why? That's out of my fear. Where are my kids going to learn that, hey, you know what, if I do that, I might get hurt. Now, I'm not letting my kids play on the 101 freeway. That's not what I'm doing. But if they're climbing a tree, climb the tree. You fall, guess what? Yeah, you might get scraped and bruises. But what's happening now is our parenting is fear-based parenting. Oh, we can't let them get hurt. We can't let this happen. And so many times we don't understand. Our children are picking up on this. Never take risk. Never do anything that could be fearful. But here we meet parents. They weren't. And I love it. Let's keep reading. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the temporary pleasure of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt. This is talking about Moses. Verse 27. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Isn't that interesting? Moses' parents weren't afraid. So guess who else wasn't afraid? Moses. Let's continue on. The rest of the verse says this, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he persevered. That means it wasn't easy. It wasn't like, oh, it's all easy. No, he persevered as though seeing him who was unseen. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Let's start with a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much we can gather in this place. Lord, I thank you that we can sing about the blood. I think sometimes people may think that's a little strange, a little weird. But your word tells me, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And it's the precious blood of Jesus that covers my sin. And so, Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We're not worthy of it, but we are grateful of it. And, Father, I pray that the words that we just read would pierce deep into our hearts. May we parent different because of this series. Help us now in the next few moments we have. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. How many of you parents, you want to leave an inheritance to your children? Can I see your hands? You want to leave an inheritance? Yeah, it's good parents, right? How many of you, you received an inheritance from your parents? Any of you? Less hands. It always works like that. Now, 
How many of you, let's be honest, you're having a good time spending your kid's inheritance? Yeah, come on, put your hands up. You're like, I'm spending your inheritance, and I'm having fun. I got my whip in the parking lot. We're having a good time. You're all about it. Yes, there's three types of people, and those are the ones that they're spending the inheritance or those who are saving inheritance or one who has received an inheritance. But most parents want to leave their children an inheritance. Many of you are going to leave something to your children. It may be a house. It may be some family heirlooms. It may be an antique. It may be some money. It may be some crypto. It may be some stock options. It may be just some weird collection. I don't know. Something that's actually just worthless. You don't even know why you have it, but you're like, I bequeath this to you. You deserve it. You know, I don't know. But when it comes to an inheritance, we are all wanting to leave an inheritance, but there's two types of inheritance. There's the intentional inheritance and the unintentional inheritance. You are leaving your children and your grandchildren something. Some of you are miserly. You know what a miser is? A penny pincher? You know, you're very tight with money. And do you know exactly how much tip you're going to give and not a penny more? It's 15%. We went out to eat. My wife was like, it's 17%. When did it go up? Oh, no, 18%. She was like, it's supposed to be 17%. Why is it 18? It's like, I don't know. That's why I just slide it over her. You, you do what you want to do. Just know I'm going to leave this invite to our church, all right? And I don't want them to think we stingy, all right? So you do what you do, you know? Where do you get that? Well, you get that. Why? Because your parents, your grandparents, they were stingy. They were miserly, not in a bad way. It's maybe because they lived through some hard times, single family, one household income. Maybe there was no income. And so they've learned to save, and they passed that on. Some of you are very generous. Just, just money just freely flows, whether you have it or not. You're like, ah, I got Visa and AMX, and, and they, they, we're just going to go until the fun runs out. Where would you learn that? Maybe you just had a parent that was just like super generous, and you're like, I don't know why we move all the time and always, uh, always get our cars picked up by the guy with the tow truck. I don't know why we have that, but man, we have fun. You, you picked up on something. Moses received an inheritance from his parents. His mother's name was Jochebed, and his father's name was Amram. Moses received an inheritance. What inheritance did he receive? Because he, he's the, the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. What inheritance did he receive? We saw it. His parents said, we don't live in fear. And so Moses, verse 27, says, I don't live in fear. If Moses' parents were willing to challenge Pharaoh when he was wrong, Moses learned to do the same thing. My prayer for us is that we would understand what type of inheritance we're leaving. Because if we want to swing for the fences, we need to raise children that know how to swing for the fences. But if you are fearful of taking the swing, you're fearful, you're going to strike out, your children are going to pick up on, you know what, my dad had so much talent, but he never just fully committed. Oh man, my mom, she had this amazing idea and she just never committed to it. You see, our children notice these little things in our life. They notice when we are fearful and we hold back and they know when we are not giving it our all. We're not swinging for the fences. We're not doing all that God created us to do. We're holding back. We're not fully engaged. They know that, man, Sunday is just a 45-minute thing. I show up for church. I do my little thing. And they know if it's real or it's not. It's easy to fool me. It's easy to fool me. But the hardest person for you to fool is your children and grandchildren. They know. They know whether this Bible is something you read and you study, or if it's a coffee coaster. They know. 
they know. So you can fool people next to us, but you can't fool your children. And guess what happens? What the fathers do in moderation, the children do in excess. Let me say it like this. You said, ah, I go to church two, three times a month. The children go to church one to zero times a month. What the parents do in moderation, the children do in excess. We are seeing more and more and more a mass exodus out of the church. Why? Because once again, it has come back to this thing that when it comes to commitments, and we talked about this in character, when it comes to outside work commitments, it is a commitment. But when it comes to God, it's about convenience. And we are raising a generation that think when it comes to God, if it's convenient, we follow God. But we're not committed. So you can fool your children, but here Moses saw, my parents are committed. They're willing to die for this. This is real for them. And so they gave an inheritance to Moses, and this inheritance was one that it was where he learned, guess what? I'm not going to be afraid. You see, the inheritance he received was invisible, but it was invaluable. It was invisible. What invisible inheritance are you leaving your children? If your children are simply focused on the external, hey, dad's got that crypto, dad's got that Porsche, hey, mom's got that gold, hey, they got this, I can't wait till they kick that bucket. I would be nervous around your children. I would get a food taster and check all your food. But if you raise children that said, mom, dad, you know, you... We're, we're well taken care of. You raised us up right. I've got a good job. So if you want to give all that money away to the mission field, you want to give all that money to a church, you want to give all that money to next door, I'm fine. Because you taught me how to live generous. You taught me how to trust God. You taught me how to walk close to God. You taught me how to love people and how to take care of people. You swung for the fences. And guess what? I will do the same. So if you leave me that inheritance or not, I'm okay because you raised me right. That's what swinging for the fences is. Because more is caught than is taught. The Bible does say in Proverbs, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. It's supposed to be multi-generational. That what you do should be a legacy move. That your children's children should be talking about, hey, remember great-grandmother. Hey, remember great-grandfather. Remember how they lived. Remember what they did. Their influence lives on. And so Moses, he caught these things from his parents. This was an inheritance that was far more valuable. Patrick Henry said this, This is all the inheritance I leave my dear family. The religion of Christ will give them one which will make them rich indeed. He said, that's what I leave to them. I leave them inheritance that comes from Christ, which will make them rich indeed. I want to say this this morning. Release your kids from your fear. Release your kids from your fear. You know, fear is a totally learned behavior. You say, how do I know this? Because I've had toddlers. Not one single toddler has ever been afraid of the street, of a moving vehicle, of a big animal. I've watched my kids just fiercely walk into these situations. I'm thinking, what are you doing? They're fearless. I'm the one that's like, whoa, hold them back. And guess what I'm doing? I'm actually limiting them. I'm limiting them. 
instead of saying, no, embrace those challenges because life is going to be hard. Life's going to be difficult. My parents, they gave me a great gift. It was the gift of saying, hey, yeah, you can try new experiences. You can go out there. So in the summers, I would go to Flagstaff, Arizona. I'd work on a camp, a Christian camp that had a ranch. They had horses. And at night, they would say, hey, we've got a roaming mountain lion, so we need you to go check and make sure nobody gets the horses. I was thinking, I'm more valuable than that horse. They said, no, you're summer staff. Go check the horses and make sure they're safe from the mountain lion. You 15, it's okay. We're allowed to leave. Two or three is what our insurance said, okay? So we're good. I was like, well, what are you going to give me for protection? And they handed me the old mag flashlight. Remember those things? Cops used to carry the massive thing. Man, I had that. I'm 15, and I'm walking on a mountainside in Flagstaff, Arizona, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? And what was the goal? I was learning not to be afraid. Because I used to be the kid that had to sleep with a nightlight. Sleeping in my brother's room because I was scared of the dark. All of a sudden, that cured me. Same thing, working around horses. You know something about horses? They, they, they don't like tight things around their tummies, okay? There's a little thing called a cinch that holds a saddle on. And uh, you put the saddle on, you tighten up the cinch. But that summer, I was riding a horse by the name of Hotspot. And Hotspot, he would, whenever he put the saddle, he'd go like this. He would suck in a bunch of air, and he would expand his stomach. Yeah. And then I'd jump on Hotspot and everything, you know? And it, everything would be good because Hotspot would hold that air in for a little while. And then we'd start galloping, start going along. Then we'd take a turn, and he would whoosh, let all that air out. So now that cinch was nice and loose along his tummy, and that's the way he liked it. Only problem was I'm on his back, and the saddle goes flying off, and I go flying off and break my arm. You know, that's a good thing for a 15-year-old to break their arm. Nothing wrong with them breaking their arm. You don't want it to happen, but you know what it does. These things, no longer you're afraid of it. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's life lessons. And sometimes because we are passing down our fears, some of you are afraid of dogs and your kids are afraid of dogs. Why? It's irrational. There's, there, there are things that we're passing down to our children that we're saying, hey, we need to be afraid of these things. Some of you, you're afraid of relationships and so you're keeping your kids out of relationships. Can I tell you something? I, <laughs> facing a mountain lion, facing the dark, facing a broken arm is nothing compared to the greatest test in 2005. Say, what was the greatest test in 2005? I had to ask a five foot five, 105 pound woman out on a date. I would face the mountain lion, I'd face the dark, I would face the broken arm. But asking a girl out and understand that's what they're gonna be facing. They're gonna be asking, hey, you wanna go out on a date with me? And that's the scariest thing. Why do you think people swipe left, swipe right? Because they're so afraid of talking to another human and feeling that rejection. But what happens is today, we are setting our kids up with our fear, not theirs. And so here, Jochebed and Amran said, Moses, you're not going to have that fear. We're not going to set you up. Because too often parents, and we mean it in a good way, we rescue too soon. We rescue too soon. And we just think, well, I'll always be there to rescue them. And our kids know that. They know that they can just do foolish things, but they need to learn that there are some consequences And so here, we're seeing that they didn't give him the fear. But notice this. What were the things that he inherited? I I see that he didn't just inherit that he wasn't afraid. I, I love this. Verse 23, the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Verse 24, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Would you write this down? He learned to obey God. 
He learned to obey God. How did he learn that? Verse 24, I love it. When he had grown up, something happened huge between verse 23 and verse 24. You say, what happened? Because in verse 23, he's a baby that was hidden. In verse 24, he's a man saying no to the most powerful man in the the world. What just happened in those two verses is what every parent in this room wants to happen for their child and their grandchild. It's called growing up. It's called maturity. And we almost miss it, wouldn't we? We just go along reading the Bible, and we don't even think that, wait a minute, between verse 23 and verse 24, there was a whole lot of life happened there. There's a whole lot of growing up. There's a whole lot of maturity things happening there, and that's what you and I want for our children. We want our children to know how to say no to the bad things and yes to the good things. That is pivotal. It's basic, but it's pivotal. We want our kids to know the difference in good and evil. We want them to know to obey God. You see, here's what's interesting, though. Moses didn't choose as a newborn baby to defy Pharaoh, did he? His parents chose that. Moses didn't choose to be hidden for three months, did he? His parents chose that. Moses didn't choose to be put in a basket and left to float down the river, did he? No. But when he was able to make his choices, he made the right choices. Because his parents made the right choices. You see, I'm trying to drill this into our minds this morning is that parents, you have to make the right decisions, not just our kids. And so many times we put the pressure on our kids. Hey, when you're at school, when you're at that party or when you're out, do right, do right, do right. Wait a minute. More is caught than is taught. And if I'm not doing right and if I'm fudging on the numbers and if I'm dishonest and I'm untruthful and I'm unfaithful and I lack character and I'm not around godly community, guess what my kids are going to do? The same thing. You see, when he wasn't able to make the right choices, his parents were leading the way on how to make right choices in a hard time. They could have died for making that decision. We right now are facing unprecedented times. Some of you are losing jobs or stepping down from jobs because you're saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not taking that step that you want me to. I'm not going to do that. You're willing to say no to some things because you're prioritizing some things in your life and you're taking a stand on some things and your children are seeing mommy and daddy make a tough decision at a hard time and they're looking at that and say, wow, my daddy has courage. My daddy has character. Wow, my mommy has courage and character and integrity. They stand for something. They stand for what is right. And so that's what this generation needs to see and it's sorely lacking. It's sorely lacking. And we need more people to say, that's the goal. I want my children to make that next step. You see, people used to say that we are a product of our circumstances. But not so. You and I are a product of our choices. Moses was not a product of his circumstances. If that were true, he would be in line to be the next Pharaoh. But what did he do? In the verses, it's powerful what he said he wanted to do. The Bible says when Moses had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That is equivalent to saying, hey, I want nothing to do with this family. I don't want anything with that inheritance. You guys, all the royalty, all the perks, all the government jobs. No, I'm saying no to all that. That's what he was giving up. We, we look at scripture, and I'm, I'm afraid, folks, that we don't often put ourselves into this situation where he's at. He's saying no. He's saying, I'm going to make choices. Growth is all about choices. I'm here to say this this morning. You and I are growing by choice, not by chance. It is a choice if you want to grow spiritually. 
It is a choice if you want to know God. It is a choice if you want to get on fire for God. It is always a choice. You make the choice. You say, man, my spouse, my husband, my wife. No, no, no. You, you. Because what I notice is that if men and women would simply focus on themselves and say, God, I'm going to get on fire for you. God, I'm going to fall in love with you. And Lord, whatever you do inside of me, it's going to overflow and it's going to spill onto everybody around me. And they're going to notice there's something different and they're going to want to know what's different about me. And at that moment, I'll say, hey, excellent. I'd love to share with you. My life isn't perfect. My life isn't easy. But I would love to show you what God has done in my life, how God has changed me, how God has saved me, how God has cleansed me, what God is doing in my life and it starts with you don't elbow the husband elbow the wife no you make the decision don't blame the boss don't blame circumstances you get to choose what you're going to do don't blame your principal don't blame your parents don't blame anybody else you choose to do right your growth your development is your choice Moses grew up I love that he grew up that's what we want for our children we want them to grow up you see Moses chose to be a Hebrew. He said, I'm going to identify with the Hebrews. Moses chose to be the son of Jochebed and Amram, not Pharaoh's daughter. He chose those things. He chose the hard life. You know, Moses had easy street. The life you and I sometimes think about, man, if I just ever had that, it would be all good. Moses was saying no to that. And you know what Moses called it? This is what's powerful in Scripture. Go with me, if you would, back to verse 25. The Bible says, when Moses made a choice, he said it was choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God. He said, I would rather endure ill treatment. Let me help you folks out for a second. Today, it has never been easier and harder to be a Christian. You say, what do you mean easier? Because it's so clear cut. It's just so clear cut nowadays. But what's hard is because some of us really love our sin. That's what makes it hard. It's becoming really clear who is on the Lord's side and who is not. That's clear nowadays, more than ever, more than ever. I was going to take our staff to a conference, and I was like, hey, guys, you guys want to go to this conference? And everybody was like, are you kidding me? All those pastors have gone liberal. Now, when I mean liberal, they're taking this Bible, and they don't hold the sound doctrine. They don't hold the true theology. said, They've gone woke. Some of you may be upset that I said that. That they said, we don't want to go and be around a group of people that they've just embraced all this new stuff and then they slap the God logo on it. They said, no, no, we don't want to be influenced by that. They said, we're good. We're good. We don't need to go to that conference. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Because they said, look, some of the stuff that they're saying doesn't line up with this book. Though it sounds good, it contradicts this. And when it contradicts this, we go with this. And we're trying to make it easy for our children to follow God. So we said, hey, if, it, if culture lines with this, then we can go with culture. But if culture goes against this, we go with this. And we live in a day and age where there are pastors that have been trashing this book so our children don't know what is right and what is wrong. And our parents are confused. And instead of saying, no, we stand for biblical principles, we stand on some things, we're, we're, we're doing a great disservice this next generation. Because parents, and I'm going to hit it, some of us will lie about things to keep our job instead of saying, hey, no, I'm just not going to get that whether it's the vaccine, it, I would rather, instead of us lie about it, us just say, look, no, I'm just, I'm not, or you are. I'm not anti or pro. 
Now, what I'm saying, the biblical issue here is lying we know is wrong. That we know. So I'd rather us be honest. So if you want to get it, get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. And don't get mad at me because I said that. Because it's real interesting how people want me as a pastor to be on their side or one side. I said, no, go talk to your doctor. And if your doctor says do something, then trust them. I'm not a doctor. You need to talk to your physician. But the problem that I can't speak to is it is wrong for a child of God to be caught lying about it. That's what's the problem. And that's what I'm more concerned about. I'm more concerned that we would not be honest and simply say, hey, if I got to take a hit, I got to take a hit. And don't you think I'm burdened about these things? These things break my heart that you're faced with these challenges. Some of you know that you're going to lose your job. You're having to be a Moses. Moses said, hey, no, I'd rather have the hard path. And you know what your, parent, your children are doing? They don't recognize it now, but you are giving your kids something right back here, right in the back of their back. And you got a bone there, but inside that bone, you're giving your kids some titanium reinforcement in that backbone. Because if you think things are hard now, I'm not trying to prophesy doom. I'm just saying it's about to get harder, not easier. And so you and I need to give our kids a spiritual backbone that say, hey, we stand. We take a stand. We do what's right. And it's not just about a vaccine. I'm not here to say yes or no. Don't don't pull me into a side. I'm just saying I'm hearing a lot of Christians who it's real easy to just lie about something. I'm saying now you compromise your testimony. I would rather you just be a Daniel. Just say, hey. I'm not, or will. Just, but oftentimes, that's just the beginning of it. Moses was willing to say something, and this is all part of parents, us swinging for the fences. Obey God. You see, Moses said, hey, I'm going to obey God. And I love this. Moses didn't care if he was misunderstood. He didn't care. If you would have been Moses' friend, you would have tried to talk him out of this. You'd be like, Moses, man, you could be so much more influential. And that's what they would have said. Man, come on, Moses, you're going to give up that Instagram account? Look at all that influence. Look, you're an influencer. Look at all those followers. You'd have so much influence. And Moses is like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You say, why? How do we know it wasn't worth it? Egypt is not just a country in the scripture. You know that, right? Egypt represents the world and its system. When I say the world and its system, I mean antithetical to God and his system. Egypt always represented the flesh, and it always represented sin, and it always represented the world's way of doing things. Now, not this terrestrial globe, but just Satan's system that, that, that we operate, where, where it's okay to just kill the unborn, where it's okay to just steal and take, where it's just okay to lie, cheat, and steal, where it's just okay, it's just adult entertainment, where all this is just okay. That is the world system. And what Moses was saying no to was not Egypt and position and government. What he was saying no to, and get this, Christian, he was saying no to Egypt's system, the world. And that's what we need to get, that Moses was saying no to something that was antithetical to what God wanted for him because he said, I'm going to obey God. And so he had to say no to Egypt, and he even clarifies it in Scripture once again. Notice if you would, verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he persevered as though seeing him who is unseen. I'm sorry, verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt he was looking towards. You see, too often, I did it again, verse 25, here we go, I need you to get this. Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the temporary pleasures of sin. That's what he was talking about. That's what Egypt represented, temporary pleasure. And it was sin. 
That's what he was giving up. You see, that's where did he learn to give up sin? That's powerful. And that's what every parent and grandparent wants for their children. You want your children, your grandchildren to say no to sin. Well, the world would not call it sin, would they? They would say, hey, you're in government. Come on, influence up. Come on, make a difference there. And Moses saw it for what it was. He said, no, this, we're, we're not supposed to be here. We should have left a long time ago. We need to get out of here. And so Moses, he made a decision that nobody else understood. And some of you may have friends and coworkers and Christians that may not understand your decision. You say, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do what God wants me to be and do. You see, I love what the Apostle Paul said. He said, we are fools for Christ's sake. I need to hurry here. I'm running out of time. You see, not only are we to obey God, we're to oppose evil. Verse 25 says, choosing rather to endure. You see, he learned how to refuse and how to choose. I notice this. Endure simply means to continue. Right now we're having to endure. Notice this. When you and I want to grow and mature, maturity doesn't happen in a moment, does it? We have to learn to endure. I wish sometimes parenting were just over and done in some moments, right? Some days are just very hard being a parent or a grandparent. I was with Hal, a friend of mine in July, and he was talking about how they had their eight-year-old grandson for a week. And he said, man, am I tired. Oh, man, did he wear me out. He said, the noise. He said, this is so loud. How much noise can come out of one eight-year-old? And I was like, a lot, a lot. Like a whole lot, like ear-splitting noise. And in those moments, you're like, oh, I just wish it was over. But maturity doesn't happen in a moment. And so we need to persevere. And parents need to persevere. And we need to keep going. But yet too often, that's when we quit, isn't it? And you know why we quit? Because we want that temporary relief. And too often, we want that quick fix. But Moses learned something. He learned the fact that, you know what, even though I want relief, even though I want this to end, this is not the way to go about it because the temptation does not meet a need. It just manipulates a moment. Let me say that again. Temptations don't meet a need. They manipulate a moment. But a temptation fools you into thinking it's meeting the need. Oh, I need to sleep with that woman. Oh, man, I need to have that. I need to drive that. Oh, man, I got to lie to my boss and get that promotion. What is the temptation? The temptation is that I can manipulate this moment into getting what I need. But that's just it. It doesn't meet, does it? It doesn't last. Moses even said it. He said it's temporary. This sin is temporary. The pleasure that it brings is temporary. You see, Moses knew And we must teach our kids not to run to temporary relief. But I'll say it like this. You may teach your kids not to run to temporary relief, but if they see you running to temporary relief, what do you think they're going to do? You had a hard day, so you drink too much. You know you shouldn't. You say, I got this thing under control. You... Wait till the family goes to bed. You grab your laptop. Nobody else is around. Just open it up. It's been a hard day. The wife's been a little bit distant. I can fix that. 
The boss doesn't pay you enough. You're cook, looking at the books. I can fix that. It's easy to think that I just need a little bit of relief. It's an escape. It's a quick, just get out there. But Moses said, no, I'm going to endure. You see, Christians throughout the ages learned how to endure. And what we are teaching our children is they don't know how to endure anymore. They don't know how to sit with a negative emotion longer than five seconds. It's okay that your kid does not get your iPad, your phone, or a cookie right away. I like it to like this. It's like holding your breath underwater. When you first do it, you're like, wow, 25 seconds, 27 seconds was a long time. And you practice a little bit longer, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, 50 seconds. We are not training our children to sit there with a negative emotion. And you don't need that. You're fine. You're okay. I struggle with this. My wife is great at this. When we first had kids and they're crying in the middle of the night, said they're fine. Diapers changed. They're fed. They're good. They're burped. There's nothing they need. They need to cry it out. And I was like, but I want to go to them and grab them and, and pick them up. She's like, they're fine. And then within a few weeks, we were sleeping through the night. Because why? She realized something. Our kids need to learn delayed gratification. Finally, Moses, he had to overcome some things. He overcame his past. Why? Because verse 26 says, Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking towards a reward, that unseen reward. See, Moses had considered the consequences. He had considered it. And he made the decision. And that's how he overcame. You say, what was in his past? Moses committed a murder, guys. There's some bad things that happened. You know why he committed a murder? Because he was trying to manipulate something in a moment. What was he trying to manipulate? Hey, I know how to free my people. I'll just kill this Egyptian taskmaster. And then I'll release these people. That wasn't God's plan, though. God didn't want him to go that route. God said, hey, we're going to do this a different way. And so Moses failed, but even though he failed, he still overcame his failure because God doesn't want to just remove difficult things from your life. He wants you to overcome difficult things. And overcome is hard. And you and I are praying, God, remove this. And God says, no, outgrow it. Moses had to outgrow it. He had to outgrow it. You're like, God, just fix this. Just do this and that. I wish God would just hand our church a building. I wish he would. I've prayed for it. I've looked for it. I've worked for it. But God says, no, I've handed you six acres. Grow into it. Work for it. Sow for it. Build for it. So when you get it, you'll know what to do with it. It's like handing Cain, my four-year-old, the keys to my car and saying, jump into my Chevy Silverado. Have a good time. He hasn't grown into it. And some of you are asking God for things that God says, no, I would be a bad God if I gave that to you. You need to grow into it. And Moses had to grow into some things. And if you think Moses had to grow into some things, don't you think we need to as well? So let's swing for the fences. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward because I want to give a little way to illustrate this. I know there's some tough tough truth, and there was no way we could get through it all. There's so much. But I'm going to ask the ushers to come and set up a special little thing. Because I want... I want the parents and grandparents and spiritual parents to have a way to remember this series. And what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you, we're going to have a moment of invitation. If you'd like to slip out, I want you to grab a baseball. We're going to have them up here. And then I want you to grab a Sharpie. And I want you to write the names of either the kids or the grandkids or the spiritual kids on that baseball. And I want you to start praying for them. And I want you to start praying for you that you would swing for the fences.
that you wouldn't live a timid life. That when God gives you the opportunity, you'd say, I'm going to go all out and I'm going to swing for the fences. And I'm going to do everything I can to set my kids up for success. And maybe you say, hey, we're just still praying for kids. I don't know. Come up and grab a baseball. We're going to have a moment of invitation. I'm going to pray for you. But I want this message to stay in your minds. I want you to think of this diamond life. And so we're not in a rush. You can slip out. You can take some time. You and your spouse can come over and get get some space at the front. You can pray over your kids and grandkids. But right now, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to encourage you to slip out and grab a baseball and write the names of your kids or grandkids. And may that be just a memorial, something that you take away from this series to help you remember how to raise home run kids as we swing for the fences. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, there's just so much to say in so little time. Father, I thank you for this series. I thank you for the last five weeks. I thank you for this character, Moses. I thank you for all the things that he's taught us. I pray, Father, that you would help us. God, we need your help. Lord, we pray right now for the parents across this church, across our country. It's so hard to be a parent. It's so difficult. All the pressures, you turn on TV and they start seeing things that you never thought they would see at this young age. You turn to certain channels and they're pushing and promoting things. And so, Father, we, we want to get our kids on the right track. And Father, would you protect these little ones? Would you protect them from harm? Would you strengthen moms and dads? Would you strengthen the single parents here? Would you bless the future parents? Would you help the grandparents to encourage and equip? Father, would you raise up this next generation of young people who love you, who know how to obey God, who know how to oppose evil and overcome their past? So, Father, we pray right now that you would bless. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you all just please stand? And would we just, piano's playing. If you want to slip out, we'll give everybody a moment of privacy. You just slip out and grab a baseball. And you could just write the name of your kids on that baseball. And just something to take home and remember this series. We're in no rush. You slip out. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.